You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hey, White Sox fans, guess what? This is such a spontaneous, even though we've had a whole off day to prepare for it. I'm not even sure what podcast number this is. It's 60 something. Uh, It's in the title. You'll figure it out. I'm going to have to look it up later. I meant to, but I had to get to talking to these guys because we got some stuff to talk about. The end of an off day. This is running on the morning uh, before the final series of the season. Uh, hosting Detroit ought to be a fun one as the team is really seemingly starting to click. Perfect timing to play Detroit. Uh, but first, let's go around and introduce my three guests here. Of course, good vibes, Jackie Crestel. She is showing up. I have not seen the tankard yet, but keep an eye out. If you are watching, keep an eye out. Uh, some sneaky stuff in there sometimes. It is the dude from downstate. Again, just explain to him that we are contractually obligated to have somebody from the University of Illinois on every one of our podcasts. Darren Brown is the man representing. Uh, I believe the good news is, Darren, you have just made the play into play into play in round of the Section 108 tournament, which puts you in the top <laughs> 888, I believe. So uh, congratulations. Good news uh, to you. And I imagine you're going to take a Cinderella run all the way to the top. Congratulations there. Can't wait. And uh, Zachariah, Jeremiah. Well, we just call him Zach. It's Zach Hayes. He's doing a little bit of everything for us. Sometimes he's recapping. Sometimes he's six-packing. Sometimes he's podcasting. He is rarely if ever smiling. Uh, that frown. Excellent. Okay. It is the happiest guy on our Southside Sucks podcast. It is Zach Hayes. Welcome, Zach. And let is, let's get to what we have to discuss here. And first of all, hey, happy 13th anniversary of the blackout game. And again, maybe there's a lot of hype attached to the blackout game because after all, they didn't do anything in the ALDS against the Rays. They were gassed by the time they even got to game 163, but they did manage to win that one. And speaking as someone who is there both at that game and in the entire home run uh, in 2005 of playoffs 
The blackout game was absolutely the most thrilling game I've been part of watching in my White Sox fandom. Uh, obviously, the meaning of the game was far less, but the idea that you played a role in the game as part of the blackout, which, by the way, I was smart enough to wear black clothing. I didn't, I wasn't a, quite as Did much of a rebel then. Hat? I'm trying to figure out because in the photo we ran today on site, I'm like, man, that. It seemed like that could have been a 147 uh, shot. And man, there was a dude up in the corner who looked like, you know, I'm, my eyes aren't sharp enough to tell. Looked like he was wearing a suit hat. And I thought, could be. It would have been a good luck move. I would have made. So it could have happened. It was a good luck hat. Hey, it brought the team good luck that time. Now, apparent, apparently, uh, uh, the dude, Darren Brown, I think he maybe was born by uh, 2008. Uh, Jackie or Zach, did you happen to be at that game or do you have memories of uh, that game? And of course, Darren, you can throw in too, even though you were, um, you know, prepubescent or whatever. I think Zach was five years old. Um, so um, actually in preparation for this podcast, I went to my box of memorabilia oh, yeah, and I yeah. pulled out my black. Yeah, the, the, we talked about this. This is my black towel from the blackout game. All right. Keep talking, um, Jackie. Hold on. Keep talking. Okay. So let me tell you my story from the blackout game. What I remember is that um, I just remember getting last minute tickets. Me and my friend Matt went. And what I remember most is because I'm a pitcher, it was a pitcher's duel. And that's what I like. John Dakes, I think, was it a one hitter? I can't even remember. Um but I remember Dinks being, oh, you got your towel. <laughs> Represent. It's used, it's used daily in our kitchen. It's still oh, really? I, I tried to look to see if maybe it was really honestly from Bed Bath & Beyond. Um, <laughs> but it's from uh, MacArthur Towel in Sports. Yep. Towel in Sports is a really niche kind of business to run. Um, but that's what MacArthur does. It was very clever how Scott Reifert just planned to have that semi full of black, small black towels just topple on the Dan Ryan right before that game. So the White Sox uh, personnel could just scoop them all up. This unbranded piece of ridiculousness that ends up being perhaps, perhaps the best promotion in White Sox history. Yeah. I mean, it's 13 years later and I am keeping this. I'll keep it for the rest of my life. That was yeah. one of the best things I've ever been to. Mint, mint condition, Jackie. I mean, your 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 eBay value is great. Mine, uh, you know, has uh, you know uh, pizza sauce stains and that. But hey, I wonder what that conversation was like when they realized they're like, hey, let's just get thirty five thousand black towels. Like, great. Who do you call? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you call for sure. Arthur. MacArthur. Yeah, yeah. Apparently you call right to, you call right <laughs> Who to has 30,000 black towels hanging around? Yeah. MacArthur team and towel or what sports and towel. Yeah. It's all, it's all about team says MacArthur. Yeah, it's so. all about, you know what? When I read that bread, I thought it said it's all about tea. It took me a long time to realize that the M was there. <laughs> I'm like, it's all about tea. That That's what makes us so charming. I think we've discussed, I mean, I, you know, again, I'm sorry for, for listeners who've had to, listen to the uh, to the uh, the tedium of blackout game talk because a lot of our uh, writers were at that game or have great memories that's like their favorite game so it's come up a lot in the meet the players uh, podcast and but it really was as Zach alluded uh, just the um, you know there's a quaintness and an innocence you know I'm guessing that uh, uh, you know, next week or for the for the first game 
uh, for the re-blackout for the 13 year later, I'm guessing, I, I don't know that you're going to get this pure black towel that you could use 13 years later in your kitchen. I'm guessing there's going to be something, hopefully not like blazing like white, some, you know, like Pepsi, but I'm guessing there's going to be some, I'm guessing it's not just going to be like, what the hell is this? Oh yeah. It's uh it's MacArthur towels. Like literally who has a warehouse full of towels. Yeah, so, I mean, <laughs> you know, the idea that, you know, it's going to have to be just a little bit more tainted than before. There's just this innocence about the 2008 thing where it's like literally somebody spoke up in the room talking about the play as they're doing this ridiculous three games against three teams and three wins and three days. Like somebody decides to just raise their hand and say, um, yeah, black towels, blackout. And, and then they're like, yeah, quick, quick. And, you know, they're like dispatching to the city and suburbs to grab as many of these MacArthur towels as they can or whatever the story is. It's just not going to be as, as cute this time around. I think that's what makes it so special. And the fact that everybody bought in, you see the visuals from that game and it's, they're still pretty amazing. Well, the last time... The White Sox were in the playoffs when they played that blackout game. I was not quite five. I was old enough to be on punishment and grounded for something or another. And <laughs> that was the, the exception was made. I had no TV, um, you know, no electronics, no contact with the outside world except the school bus. But I was allowed an exception to watch, watch the blackout game and then, and then watch the playoffs. Uh, so circumstances fortunately slightly better this time around but i maybe something will happen between now and next yeah you could still i mean you could still be punished i mean (laughs) (laughs) you never know where where it's going to come from but yeah i don't know i think even for someone who was 13 when that happened there is kind of a quaintness to that uh that whole run there where it's, I think it was, you said it a couple of podcasts ago, which is like playing with house money, you know, along for, that, that was a real along for the ride type, yeah. uh, type run right there. Yeah. Now, Darren, you were young enough, slightly younger than Zach, probably also on punishment, but uh, this has to be one of your formative moments as a fan. If you were a Sox fan at the time, it would have had to be a pretty major early moment for you. Yeah, I'm sure I watched it with my dad in our house. Um, I've seen the game on YouTube in its entirety. And my favorite moment is the Ken Griffey throw because of AJ Przinsky showing Michael Kadire that he has the palm <laughs> in his glove. He always, he always finds a way, man. He always finds a way. And at least this time it was totally legit. It's not like he fell down in the baseline and like got some crazy call from the umps or I don't know, uh, the dropped uh, third strike. Okay. Uh, I mean, that was legit. I mean, he, he muscled up at a time when you could still bowl over a catcher, which it, it doesn't seem like it should be that long ago. Uh, and yeah, I mean, it'd be legit. <laughs> I mean, sorry, Kadir, you did get tagged out. You gave him everything you had. He held on to the ball at, I mean, what a gripping moment. Uh, yeah, I mean, the game went quick. And then the last third, uh, you know, I mean, still went quick, but was was just was gripping between uh, what uh, Jim Tomey did, which that ball may still not it may still not have landed um, somewhere near the uh, the picnic area, the the party deck, and what AJ did. And then again, you know, Brian Anderson doesn't have a lot of highlights with the White Sox uh, for a guy who was preordained as uh, the Aaron Rowan replacement. Uh, but you know, that was a good one. Um, you know, even even if he stutter stepped enough just to make it a dive and thrilling. Um, Hey, listen, you know, he's, he is in the Sox highlight reels forever. Somehow Brian Anderson is a key part of White Sox history. On top of that, that was kind of the last hurrah for Bobby Jenks too. You know, he had a couple more years there, but that was him, his last big, big save moment, I guess, that I could think of. Yeah. And what I liked that I hadn't remembered 
um, in rereading uh, Michael Kenny's piece, which he, he ran on site. Uh, this is at a time when he was actually our transitional caretaker of the site before I took over. He had a series uh, looking back 10 years later at the 2008, the whole season. Uh, and we reran uh, his write-up, his very detailed write-up on the tiebreaker game. And I hadn't remembered that Jenks, who had lost some velocity, uh, just killed it for that inning. He was up pushing a hundred again, like it was, like it was the world series, like it was three years earlier. Uh, so he did have some sort of extra gear uh, to tap into, which was sort of cool too, because they needed that a one run game. Uh, there's not much margin for error. And, and Zach, you're right. I mean, the margins for error for him were coming more and more frequently. So you're right. That was, that was maybe a last, a last big highlight, certainly the last uh, national spotlight highlight. For big bad Bobby, uh, that's for sure. Uh, is there excitement in anticipating now that the White Sox are actually going to finally have another home game? It seems preposterous. It will be 13 years between home playoff games uh, that the White Sox are bringing this out again. It seems like it would be something perhaps you'd forget about because it's like, wow, that was a really long time ago. Again, some of you weren't born, but uh, you know, is 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 this a neat novelty, or does this just feel like some nostalgia being shoved down uh, throats? feel like it's nostalgia I'm, I'm pumped I'm pumped up I was excited when I heard that they were yeah. going to do the blackout uh, promotion again because I mean I it would be naive to think that it would capture the magic of that first blackout game but it's going to have its own magic it's going to have its own flavor and you know what uh as long as the team is winning it's all good it's all good See, that's good, good vibes. Vi- that's good vibes, Jackie Crestle. Thank you very much. And on cue, <laughs> takes a sip. Uh, um, I, now, am I wrong? Now, again, I should know this because, you know, this was right in my wheelhouse. Jackie, perhaps yours too. Eh, Zach, I guess you were off punishment, so all right. Uh, they did not continue the blackout in the divisional series, did they? I remember having a feeling of disappointment that it's like, well, wait, now we're just dropping this thing because we're playing the – the race, I was at the two playoff games, uh, one win, uh, one elimination loss. Uh, there was no blackout. A- am I am I wrong? You're not wrong. They only did it for the, the tiebreaker game. I mean, I understand they ran out of towels, but you could still say, hey, dressed in black, it was a cool thing. People sort of did it. You know, MacArthur ran out of towels. They didn't yeah. know. It's like, come on, you don't have to have the towel. First of all, most of the people are still going to come. I would have still had my towel. So... You know, anyway, yeah, Thunder Sticks is way cooler, you know, whatever they're socks. They're giving away socks for oh god. Yeah. I also brought out my rally sock from 2005 because I didn't yeah. know. I mean, about. come on. I mean, look at this. You got this. I mean, sorry, podcast listeners, you may just have to go visual because we got a lot of visuals going on. I mean, come on. The cool, ridiculously unbranded black towel versus yeah, waving white socks. It's just yeah. It's a little too literal, even for, for, for Darren and Zach, very young fans at the time, they were probably rolling their eyes like, oh yeah, okay, the promotion is to wave socks, white socks. We're very original. <sighs> no, the blackout was way cooler. It, it fit our persona a lot better. All right, well, white socks, let's not just have like the first game of what will be a long home playoff run this year, be the blackout. Let's carry it all the way through. I know you've said you will. So that means probably two semis, getting toppled over on the Dan Ryan, not just one because you need enough to give to people who aren't going to be able to go through the entire playoff run. Uh, Let's do it because it is an incredible visual. I'm looking forward to running those photos 
uh, as soon as a week from now. Uh, all right, let's move on from the blackout game. Let's just talk state of the White Sox before we take our break. Uh, things seem to be clicking. We got sort of some good news, though. The velocity wasn't there for Carlos Rodon. The excellent pitching certainly was. Seems like he pitched his way into a possible, I don't know, number four starter role, maybe number three starter role. Uh, and the hitting seems to click. This This lineup is pretty well intact now, and we're seeing the damage it can do. Uh, your feelings about the state of the team with just three regular season games to burn before the real stuff starts. I'm so pumped up, man. I'm so <laughs> pumped up. Um, by the way, I, I spoke to my father who's in the hospital before we came on here and I asked him what he thought of Rodon and where he would fit in the rotation. Mm-hmm. So just so everyone knows, okay. Chico thinks that Rodon is our number four starter behind uh, Lynn, Gilito, and C. And I agree. Yeah. In that uh, order? Hmm? In that order? In that order. Yeah. yeah. All right. Pa- Papa Crestel, uh, Chico. Yeah. Again, I mean, Jackie Johnson. figured somehow we are uh, very distantly related. Somehow we, we were going to, we're still trying to figure that out, but the tree is very complicated. Uh, okay. So uh, Chico's weighed in. Uh, uh, excellent. Uh, uh, Darren, Zach, what are you thinking about uh, how you use Carlos Rodon in the playoffs? So I know I, Tony said, I think it was in the presser yesterday um, that the whole like Rodon and then Kopech for three was not necessarily going to be a thing, but like, it really should be. So why are we even <laughs> like playing these games? Kingsmanship. Uh, yeah, I mean, Rodon. Yeah. The velo, we've, I've, the velo has gone. I think we're, we're at the acceptance stage there. He can still be an effective pitcher, like as opposed to the last time he was throwing 90 poo, he has like a real change yeah. up and he has much better, he knows where it's going now so he's fine but you don't want to i mean he's just not going to give you probably more you don't want him going more than three four innings you let Kopech tape over and you know like i said i don't know why they even bother with the just say like yeah we're getting them stretched out so we can like piggyback him in some capacity it's like <laughs> it's it's there we know it's coming but. Tony larusa is rocking his nhl head coach thing he's going to just say upper body injury he's going to just be very vague and he's you know it's his gamesmanship it's, he doesn't it, want the houston astros to figure out what the white section are going to do Right. It's, it's just, it's just funny. Cause it's like, do you think like, it doesn't matter at whatever point Kopech comes into the game. Do you think the Astros are going to be like, Oh my God, no Kopech now <laughs> we were planning on Mike, right? That was the perfect one, two punch. Like, yeah. It's, it, it doesn't matter. He'll, he'll, he'll do his thing, but I think, yeah. Um, him and Rodon in some capacity would be pretty awesome. One, two punch for, for a game four. Darren, offensively, what are you seeing from the team? And do you think that it's about time, uh, given we've waited almost the whole season to see this lineup intact? I still think it's been what? It's been less than maybe 20 games, maybe about 20 games where we've had technically something close to a full lineup. Uh, Healthy, uh, is this what you would have anticipated seeing had opening day been full health? Yeah, I think that if you have a full healthy roster, then this is one of the best offensive teams in the league. And you're starting to see that now with guys like Luis Robert heating up, you know, guys like Larry Garcia doing well, which was a surprise, you know, after starting off pretty bad. And it seems like everybody's, I know that's kind of the old saying, everybody's clicking at the right time. And, you know, whether that really matters or not, depending on postseason results, but it seems like they're trending in the right direction. It's good to see headed into, you know, something that we haven't been able to see in a while, which is the ALDS and beyond, hopefully. This is a, a strong offensive team with a lot of great offensive performance, but Luis Robert is making the rest of the team sort of look ridiculous. I know he's hot. 
And, and when he looks, at least last year, when he, I don't know how much he's looked bad this year. I assume it's happened. Last year, I know he had an MVP first half of the mini season and then, uh, you know, a triple A uh, second half of the mini season. But this year, uh, he's jaw dropping. And I don't know if it's a matter of, are they not scouting him uh, or has he really adjusted enough to hit uh, the, the pitches, the, the pitches away. It seemed like he, he was just chasing last year is the lineup so stacked that you, you can't really mess around with Luis Robert and you do have to pitch to him because he's killing it. And he's, he looks like a clear MVP on a team full of pretty offensive, uh, strong offensive players. Well, I mean, if they haven't figured it out by now to not, you know, that they can't pitch around him, I, I don't see why barring any kind of um, trash can banging, I don't know how they're going to get around that. <laughs> you know what, Jackie, uh, that's, you know, I'm going to round that into good vibes. And that's a perfect transition for our very short break. We've got a little mini second half of the show. We're going to talk a little bit more specifically about Houston because, hey, the trash cans may be banging again. It probably won't be trash cans, but who knows what it will be because we know what those dirty, dirty Houston Astros are capable of doing. And it was the same that you're going to drop it. They got a slap on the wrist before. Who's to say they're going to drop it? Anyway, forget the conspiracy theories. We're going to take a quick break. Be right back with my three wonderful, wonderful Southside Sox guests as we talk and look forward to the Houston Astros likely beginning in Houston next week. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hey, I don't know what podcast this is. Uh, I'm going to figure it out and actually label it accurately when this actually publishes. But it's 60-something. And I've got wonderful guests. The dude, Darren Brown. Good vibes, Jackie Crestel. And listen, Zach Hayes, he's just always around. He's awesome. He's smiling. He's joking. Uh, he's having a lot of fun with us. And uh, he's with us here on this podcast, too. We got a short second half of the program here. And we're going to talk a little bit more specifically about Houston. When I hit record on this, I believe Houston was ahead 3-2. I don't know if that is still the score. It does seem like it's a matter of time before they wrap up home field advantage. I think it's safe to prepare for the White Sox having to start on the road, which on one hand is trouble. But as much as I've been talking down the notion of, oh, man, we're going to go to Houston, we're going to get swept out of the first round, you know, because I'm just such a bad vibe guy. Uh, let's not forget that they played Houston very much not at full strength. They're in, uh, maybe the, the rotation is not as strong as it was then, but the, the batting lineup certainly is stronger than it was when they got pretty much embarrassed by Houston. I don't know if that offsets. I don't know if that more than offsets because I, I, I think overall the team is stronger now. Uh, do we feel better about the possibility of sneaking away with at least a win in Houston and giving us the opportunity in front of a, a bedecked black crowd waving their MacArthur towels, uh, um, you know, next week? Do you think we can get out of this 
Very tough ALDS uh, matchup. I think the chances of a split are better than I might have thought a week ago because the Sox are going to have a big, big advantage in that second pitching matchup, whatever it is. I think they match up pretty well with Framber Valdez, um, whoever the Sox end up going with, with whether it's Giolito or Lynn. Uh, the lineup has been gelling the last few days now that they're together. Um, so that being said, the idea of game one in Houston against Lance McCullers is not something I'm not thrilled about. Um, I'm fairly, from what I've seen around around the various places of the internet, it seems likely that McCullers is going to be the guy there. Uh, he's gone seven innings, give up, given up one run, like three of his last four starts against the Sox. He shut him down twice this year. Not, not good. Um, but... The way the lineup has been hitting lately, I, again, really like that game two matchup against probably Framber Valdez and whoever they throw at you after that, whether it's Jose or Keedy or Zach Greinke or um, Luis Garcia or some combination thereof, like the Sox are almost certainly going to have some kind of pitching advantage. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. This is a long way of saying, I don't know. There's a lot of, a lot of things that are really just kind of a toss up at this point. Uh, I am choosing to interpret your answer, Zach, as McCullers is due. He's due to get his hiney whooped by the White Sox offense. So that's how I'm going to take it because yeah, I'm transitioning from bad vibes to good vibes. So uh, good vibes, dude. Uh, what, what are you I'll thinking? Trip over eventually. Yeah. <laughs> You're on your way. I saw that smile. Uh, feeling better about going in. I mean, obviously we're going to go into game one feeling good, right? Anything can happen and Sox can easily sweep just because the regular season means, you know, what, whatever, only so much. Uh, it's a little scary and daunting. Houston's tough, but uh, you got to like the way the Sox are rolling into a series against anybody, including Houston. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what I was going to say offensively, what I would like to see, uh, you know, I think our big hitters are clicking and showing there. I'd like to see more input from uh, the bench guys. Um, namely people like Adam Engel or um, uh, Andrew Vaughn. I want to see more from them um, because I think that's important. And I just want to add that Houston is up three to two in the top of the ninth, but Tampa Bay's got something cooking. Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay. God dang Tampa Bay. Most wins in the (laughs) AL. They won every freaking league this year. That team... I don't know what to hope for, honestly. I mean, you got to admire Tampa. I mean, uh, you know, as much as they're a butt of many different jokes, I mean, what they put together from the top to the bottom of the organization this year is, if not unprecedented, is truly extraordinary. So hats off to them until we play them and crush them. We're going to go down to the Hovering Sombrero sweep. We're going to come back to Chicago in front of the black. Forget about it. Darren, how are you feeling uh, specifically going up against uh, Houston? Knowing uh, game one, game one um, starting matchup is going to be very tight. Let's call it even uh, offenses and uh, the home field advantage in Houston. Uh, how are you feeling about that? Well, pretty much the same as what you were talking about, where it's the postseason, anything can happen. And I'd say I'd rather play Tampa than Houston. I think some <laughs> other people would share that sentiment, but I feel I like Houston would be, I think it would be close at least, but I feel it would be 50-50 as far as the outcome. And either way, I'm excited. Yeah, I don't want any piece of Tampa. It's not just bad vibes from the the, the blackout year when they, they pretty much ran through the White Sox. It's just, you know, 
the guy's good. somebody could die in the field and the guy who replaces him is going to be better. It's just, I, the, the team is infuriating uh, and delightful, except when we're playing them. So I'd like them just to get somehow upset. So the White Sox have a clearer path uh, to the world series. Um, who is uh, uh, we've talked about this, I think uh, in the postgame podcasts a week ago. So let's just bring it out again. Uh, and because perhaps who knows answers may have changed. Who is your number one start? It does seem like it's going to be either Lucas Giolito or Lance Lynn. Who is it for each of you? Lance Lynn. Still Lance Lynn. Good vibes sticks with Lance Lynn. Zach, are you still sticking with Lance Lynn? Yeah, yeah. It's closer than it was the last time we spoke about it. Um, But (laughs) there's just an extra week of the season. Yeah. Well, Giolito looked better than expected. Lynn, maybe a little, not so good as I expected. But um, yeah, I still, given everything I just said, like I want, I want the Bulldog out there against, uh, against their best starter. And I want Giolito out there against their number two when he's going to go eight innings and completely crush all of their, you know, all of their dreams of a comeback. So. Um, uh, Darren, do you uh, choose to knot this up because I am voting Lucas Giolito? Uh, are you going Lucas or are you sticking with Lance Lynn going with the field? I think right now I have a hung jury here. Go 2 2. I'll go Giolito. Yeah, you know, I, uh, I like what he did. Game, you know, even on the extra rest, uh, there was all the, the voodoo about, oh, he doesn't like extra rest. He hasn't pitched statistically well on long rest last year and he just came out and killed it. Um, he has had, I guess, I mean, I thought he was going to win the Cy Young this year. <laughs> a little secret uh, going back to the predictions. I might have also been the person who didn't, the only person on staff who didn't pick the White Sox for the playoffs. That may not, may or may not be true. Uh, but I did. What is true is I picked Lucas Giglio, and I wasn't the only one for AL Cy Young. And he certainly didn't have an AL Cy Young year. But uh, I still like him as the leader and the ace of this team. And if we're talking about somebody, I think some of the logic was in pitching uh, Lynn, that he's a guy who could come back in a game five. And given his health, I, I'm not, I don't, I mean, I know, of course, it's an option, a desperation uh, game five. Of course, you got to, you know, throw whoever, whoever you can out there. But I'm more confident in Giolito being able to come back, not hurt himself worse. I mean, now this isn't even just a, we're not burning Lynn for free agency now. He's with the team in 2022. I don't want to necessarily um, screw him up in any way if we can avoid that as well. Uh, any logic there? Or are you guys just going to stick to your guns and, and not come to me and Darren's side? I would actually turn that around and say I like the idea of Giolito game two as a potential stopper or as someone who can really, <clears throat> you know, drive the nail in the coffin. I remember writing up a playoff preview of their series with Oakland last year, and I remember saying that if the Sox I don't know if I actually put this in the thing or not, but like if the Sox are going to win this series, they're going to need to do it in two games. Uh, if it gets to a game three, it's probably, and that's, you know, you had Keuchel going game two and as, as good as Keuchel was last year, you yeah. know, the stuff is is still what it is. You don't feel great about him as your number two playoff starter. Whereas now I think uh, even, I, I do kind of agree with you that I think Julito is probably more reliable right now. He's probably the better starter, but I think the difference is small enough that I kind of like Lynn's playoff history enough to not feel like uncomfortable about it. And then you go down one, nothing, you got your best pitcher going game two, you go up one, nothing, you can really, you know, kick their teeth in. Okay. This is scary. I'm going to ask you to get into the mind of Tony Russo, but it is slightly a wrinkle on that question. Who do you think Tony is going to pick? And is that different from your answer? I mean, I think he's going with Lynn. He's the guy he's had in the playoffs before. So, okay would be pretty surprised bad what do i know so yeah i guess he can remember that far back uh, hopefully he's blocked out his 
Oh, I don't even want to mention the name because Jackie yelled at me last time I mentioned it, but hopefully he can block out his really bad World Series decision last time he was in it. And he can just focus on having Lance Lynn on his team last time he was in the World Series, I guess. Um, uh, I hyped Luis Robert already, but uh, let's flip it over to uh, the offensive side of things. And who are you most excited to see uh, hitting in the playoffs uh, or I guess the better question is, who do you think the White Sox offensive MVP in this first round is going to be? Who do you think is hottest coming in or going to do the most damage, whether they're hot now or not? It's got to be Luis Roberts. Like he's, he's the guy right now. But, you know, uh, also usually um, as Tim Anderson goes, so goes the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I and he's just excited fun and exciting to watch so I um I'm looking to see a lot from him and he's you know he's been with the team the whole time uh through horrible horrible years um and I'm excited to see him kind of get dip his toes into the playoffs and I want to see what that brings out in him and so I'll be looking at Tim Anderson as well and like I said the the bench guys I want to see them come through too to support the bigger the big hitters yeah. Yeah, to break in quickly, Tim Anderson, he broke or tied or whatever, some sort of record last year, right? He had like four or five hits in his first playoff game. He did go banana, so he did show up for sure. And he might be really well-rested. Do we have status? I haven't checked it out. Do we have status of what his – is he going to sit out the last three games with this ridiculous suspension? Is he going to punt that to next year? Because he could be very well-rested. I think he's going to punt it. I don't know why you would (laughs) – I I think – I mean, yeah, I would be more surprised if you didn't want to get in a rhythm before the playoffs because then you're not playing for like a week before the first playoff game. Yeah, that's kind of a – yeah, iffy. I would imagine from a player's perspective. Um, yeah, I think it's got to be Luis, though. I mean, I think the from a narrative standpoint, the timing is just too perfect for him to this. This is when he explodes onto the national consciousness. If there is a time before next year, uh, I think a lot of people still kind of have the memory of him fading down the stretch last year. They remember a guy who strikes out a lot that, you know, chases all those sliders out of the zone and still has a lot of potential. And because the team was cruising so much, the second half, his, uh, his, his, this insane stretch that he's been on has kind of flown under the radar. So, you know, he, he's the hottest man, the side of Gasmani Grandal right now. And if it's going to, I, I don't see why if, if they're going to go anywhere in the playoffs because it's because he keeps doing that and he's going to really introduce himself to to the you know top 10 player conversation nationally and sort of as a nod to what tim did last year Luis he was slumping so badly and then he hit that 650 foot home run uh last year against oakland which was uh pretty awesome to see sort of gave a flare like said hey you know i'm not dead yet um okay uh is it Luis, yeah. darren or do you have some yeah no, I was going to say, Zach, I'm glad that you mentioned Yasmani Grandal. Otherwise, uh, Crystal O'Keefe might have staged a mutiny. Yeah. Yeah, I actually, yeah, I just got a message from her. She, uh, she somehow sensed that we had not mentioned Yasmani yet. And there are probably <laughs> several other staffers who are howling right now, just knowing uh, that we haven't mentioned them yet. Uh, Darren, are you going to just go again with the field here and Luis? Or is there someone else you think is going to break out as sort of the guy for the offense? And the main guy, my answer would be, Luis or a grand dog, like both of those guys. Uh, I'd be curious to see how Gavin Sheets does if they keep putting him, you know, in that eight spot. I think he could have a couple of good games and be a key piece to the lineup. Yeah, Andrew Vaughn just sitting back like, hey, man, I'm the left fielder, I'm the right fielder, I'm the whatever fielder next year. And suddenly yeah, Gavin Sheets is like, well, um, you know, <laughs> I'm here too. Uh, guys really showing up uh, um, really in both instances. Uh, up with the big team and certainly down the stretch showed uh, 
you know, better than Vaughn, who was having a back problem or a neck problem or a knee problem or whatever his problem was, a Tony Russo problem. I'm not sure what it was. Uh, but yeah, Gavin Sheets like a, an X factor uh, on this team, which is, is sort of delightful because he's like from our system and he's actually doing better than we could have ever sort of hoped for. And uh, sort of extraordinary. Um, yeah, Luis is going to be fun to see uh, in these playoffs because that guy confident, you know, I mean, Tim Anderson's got the, the, the swagger. And, and, you know, as I think Jackie pointed out, as we all know, you know, he really is the, the, the straw that stirs a drink. I mean, he is the barometer for this team, no doubt, as much as like Pito is, you know, the captain or whatever. You know, it really is a, a, the, the temperature check is Tim, but man, uh, the guy with the, sw- the swagger who can, who has the raw talent to, 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 um, push swagger even higher is Lewis Robert. And it's thrilling to think what really both of those guys, I mean, I don't know if they're going to be hitting top of the lineup most games or not, but, uh, the idea of, of these guys are a number of this com, the combination that this lineup can throw at you full strength, uh, is, is frightening. Um, do we anticipate, uh, Detroit being a pretty productive offensive series for the White Sox and that rolling into Houston. Do you think this team is going to be, let's say, what's the benchmark? Five runs a game. I know it's playoffs, so things are going to get moved down. Do we do we see a good four runs a game output from this uh, uh, offense, especially given the fact they really throw only one stopper starter at you? Man, I hope they Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't know whether uh, we're going to kind of just sit back and like take it easy and rest, or if we're just going to try to. I mean, we're we're already kind of clicking going into the off season, and I'd like to see that continue. So I, um, I will say I hope I see like at least five runs a game. That would be nice, and as long as we don't hit anybody and get into that nonsense, I'm going to be happy with the series. Oh, but you know, Tony sort of really wants it. It's like, that's like his thing. He's like, I'm going to show you why I'm a valuable manager because the beanball wars is where I'm a hall of famer. It's like, okay, well, he just wants to scoot out onto the field again. I think. I want to see him playing this weekend. Oops. Sorry, Darren. Go ahead. No, I just say, I don't know if you brought it up, but like kind of excited for the Tony LaRusa, Dusty Baker matchup with the White Sox Astros. If that were to happen. Who do you think can run to the plate faster, Tony LaRusso or Dusty Baker? I think it's got to be Dusty. I mean, he was actually a legit major league player. I mean, I don't know what their injuries since have been. I know he's got a couple years on Tony, so I'm going to, at least because Dusty would be gutsy enough to like dive for home from the dugout, I think I would have to give it to Dusty at least by an eyelash. But he might also stick himself with his That's toothpick, fair. so there's a lot of injury possibility. Well, you know, you know his kid can make a nice time to the plate from uh, – <laughs> Yeah, way yeah. back in the day. Oh, yeah. Yeah, little Dusty Jr. All right, well, um, I think we've covered what we need to have covered for this unnamed or unnumbered podcast. Uh, thank you, Zach Hayes. More smiles per uh, per moment on this podcast. An incredibly awesome uh, trend to see. Darren Brown representing two teams, two teams not represented in any of the other uh, looks that anybody presented here. Again, if you're not watching. I know there's only like a dozen of you, but if you're not watching, maybe you should watch. We've got black towels we've been waving. Uh, we've got Zach Hayes smiling. We've got Darren Brown throwing both a Blackhawks and an Illini look. And of course, as always, good vibes, Jackie Kressel rocking. We got the Simon and Garfunkel. We got the acoustic okay. and we got the tankard. So it's just a perfect look. Uh, it's 
water. Yeah, yeah, that's probably what you said last time. Okay. Uh, well, anyway, whatever number this is, we're wrapping it up. Uh, we are probably going to have a lot of podcast activity, maybe not through the weekend because, hey, come on, everything, everything sucked. They're playing the Astros, very likely starting in Houston next week. Uh, so that's pretty much uh, wrapped up, I think. But uh, we're going to be doing probably pregame playoff, off day uh, podcast before the playoffs, post game stuff. Uh, you know, it's going to be relentless. Uh, you guys are going to say, no, I don't want any more, but we're going to continue to give you more, which is what we always do here at Southside Sox. So thank you as always for reading, uh, sometimes watching and listening to our podcast. Thanks everybody for joining and uh, 